0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot, recording this at the park. <laughs> if you hear a bunch of kids yelling in the background, we're outside. Uh, forever inspired by my creative friends, before we launch this episode with Morgan Page, I have to brag about a few past Idea Fountain guests. Uh, thanks to Tommy the Clown, L.A. Crump legend, just performed at West third birthday party. It was really fascinating. For so many years, he was known for popping up in neighborhoods But during the pandemic, he took all his content digital, and now you can see his battles on YouTube and caffeine. Also, Beth Ditto, oh my goodness. I've always said she has the best female voice in rock and roll, and now she is taking it to the screen. You can see her in the new Fox TV show, Monarch, and let me tell you, her presence is strong in that show. It's Tuesday nights on Fox. Today on The Idea Fountain, we're catching up with Morgan Page, who has an incredible Quick tips tool for music producers. It's like a deck of cards, almost looks like tarot cards or Liz Hernandez's Word of Cards, or even Deepika Chopra's Optimism Cards. But they're all challenges to help you start creating in the studio. When it's time to be creative and focus, nothing is easier than procrastinating. So I could see this tool helping a lot of people. Enjoy. I need- F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N. This is the Idea Fountain.
1: Life-changing conversations.
0: I think that I'm so excited about your quick tips, and it's so up Mm -hmm. my alley. Like, I love, I have so many little decks of cards. Like, this is my friend Deepika Chopra has a Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck. Here, I'll give you an optimism card. Look at She's got, like, all these great designs. And then here, I'll pull one for you. This is her optimism deck. Just for a moment, see if you can challenge yourself to focus on the solutions, not the problems. Whatever that means to you, whatever comes up, just go with it. That's kind of what this whole podcast is going to be about.
1: Yeah. Pick the flowers, not the weeds. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my friend Liz has word of full cards and then I saw your quick tips and yeah. um, I want to deep dive on it but first, yeah. you know we've kind of, we haven't spent that much quality time together but you know I've been aware of your music and we've been in the same circles for a long time. Uh, give, Will you give a little bit about your background? I know that yeah. you were a radio guy early yeah. days. Yeah.
1: It's like a total sideways backwards way into the music industry but uh i remember in high school in vermont we were pretty isolated there was not a lot of sources of music but i heard mix shows uh they were on the graveyard shifts in in burlington vermont and so even on pop radio they had like you know 2 a.m 6 a.m people would do mix shows they'd be pre-recorded and i was so naive i thought that they were like live and i'd call up and be like hey can i talk to the dj and they'd be like oh they're really busy right now (laughs) and it was like totally pre-recorded but i started to bug these guys i started to think uh, what if I could make this kind of music? So I send in like, cassettes into these stations. So it was first, it was pop radio, and I would send in cassettes, and they, I just kind of stayed on them, and was that annoying kid that kept sending demos, and they started to play them, uh, and they would play them off cassette, you know, which is you know cassettes were just notorious for like you know the tape getting eaten and things like that. That's my least favorite medium is probably cassette, but uh, so I would send it to. Yeah, they were like local subsidiaries. I think I've never got like 95XXX was one of those big pop stations. I never got them to play it. But there was these alternative stations, uh, like The Buzz was one. And they they kind of come and go, you know, like they're, they're franchises. But I had sent them there. And then I started to get started to send to college radio. And college radio really pushed my stuff. And I started to think, what if I could do a show? So I started filling in. As a high school student, as a sophomore, I think it was a sophomore or junior, I could fill in when people would forget to do their show or they they wouldn't turn in on time. So I would race into the station. Uh, I'd do like six hour marathon sets, and just everything started with that. That was like six degrees of college radio because you didn't have to be a student. So that was at the University of Vermont, and I heard about internships, and that led to you know in the summer working in New York City for Ultra Records and. Plastic City, and I would intern for people like Liquid Todd, uh, who I still, you know, communicate with, and he, I've done remixes for him, and it's funny, it's it's led to so many things, just, you know, putting together furniture, taking out the trash, listening to demo tapes, like doing all these errands for people in the music industry, uh, but that led to a record deal, too. So, I, oh, and, I, I oh, and the it. other part of the radio was a- Emerson College, that's a really important part, too, um, so I went to oh, go- Oh, yeah, that
0: was a really important yeah. station.
1: Yeah, you know, that was huge. I mean, this was also at the time when CMJ was big, and that was influential. But Emerson's station, WERS, was a, like a trophy piece of the tour. It's a multi-million dollar radio station, and they kept wanting to sell it. And uh, But I ended up man- doing the web design, like creating the web page for the station, uh, and then managing the station eventually, as long as I could as a student.
0: That's so uh, fantastic. I've been so nostalgic about college radio recently. I did a whole episode on it and I was soul searching, wondering, because like you, I started really young in you know high school and then through college, working in college radio. And I, I was wondering if I would have grown up at a skateboard park or, you know, working in a blockbuster video, like would I have had the same coming of age stories? But college yeah. radio was just so special.
1: Yeah. And it's weird because I feel, you know, at the time we were even trying to work on something called national college radio where some people really wanted to make it work where there'd be all these affiliates and it would be the more of this organized thing. Cause Hollywood, I mean, um, college radio is like very uh, it's like, some of them are really commercial and they're just NPR affiliates. And then some are like kids burping into a microphone in a basement, you know, on an AM channel. And it's like this huge spectrum of a range of professional stations versus amateur stations. So it was interesting, like I feel like you, most of the population doesn't know college radio except for you know, like the KCRWs. They're the ones that get a lot of attention. but uh, it was yeah, it's it's it ranges so much uh, the quality of the content, and I think I was fortunate to be at this place that had the resources for for that kind of experience. I mean, it was a commercial it was almost like a commercial radio station.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's fun. there really is a spectrum. So as a musician, you know, as a DJ, as a producer, how would you divide up the pie? Like, let's say right before the pandemic, how much were you focused on your music versus touring versus producing for other people? And then how did the pandemic impact that?
1: It depends if you mean uh, like in terms of n- dollar income versus time or, you know, a lot of the music production is kind of a loss leader that that lets me tour. It gives me permission to tour and that creates uh, demand for shows. But uh, so in terms of like my business, uh, we canceled about 60 shows the, for the first year of the pandemic. We're still making up those shows, but th- I'd say touring is like 80% of the income. So that's a big part of it. But you spend, I spend most of the week working on music, doing remixes, doing uh, DJ sets for SiriusXM and for my podcast. Um, so a lot of the work, uh, yeah, a lot of the work is, is here in the studio. It's collaborating, a lot of remote collaborations so collaborations didn't change that much, you know. I do prefer to have people here, like I have vocalists that sing over my shoulder instead of a vocal booth. But most of the business is, I mean, there's two sides to it, really. It's creating the music and then playing it loudly for people, uh, and that's that, that's the job. And it's two; they kind of feed into each other. And without the DJing, just producing music doesn't feel totally fulfilling. And without, um, if you're not making music and if you're just DJing, it feels a little hollow. Uh, but it's kind of like reaping the rewards of it on the road. It's to me, it's fun. And I like the travel side of it. I don't have a problem being a loner on the road. I don't need a big entourage. Um, and I love, I love the travel side of it. So this is all really just merging all my favorite interests together, music, technology, and travel.
0: I love that. I've never heard anybody break it down so simply. It's making the music and then playing it loudly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely days where I'm like, what am I Focused on it's hard. Is that if you're running your own business, like your manager, your people in your team can give you priorities, but I still it's up to me. Like every day, I'm like, okay, I have X number of hours before I have to pick up kids from school, and I've got to make shit happen right now. I gotta the muse needs to happen right now, <laughs> you know. Well,
0: I love that old cliche, right? If you need something done, ask a busy person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely it just sort of focus you focuses you to just laser focus on the time you have. and uh, it's very easy though to be lost to get lost sometimes and think, well, what is the most important thing I need to do right now um, versus what's the most urgent? You know sometimes the most urgent things aren't the most important things.
0: I I have a lot of respect that, uh, you know, that you are an artist and a musician, but also uh, it seems like you really lean into the business side of things, too, which not everybody does. Like whether it be you were talking about when in college radio, like you were making your own demos, shows, promoting yourself, but then also ended up being the station manager. No small feat for a college radio station. Right.
1: Yeah. And.
0: I think it's really fascinating uh, that here, as you're making all this music and playing it loudly, that from a business perspective, you came up with this idea of Quick Tips. Uh, why don't you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, it's got a funny background where it just really started as as ideas that I would get for things that were working in the studio, like methods and strategies. Thought I need to write these things down before I forget them. I just I don't have a very good long term memory. And I, that's another reason I like journal and I really try to be organized and I'm obsessed with lists and I keep really, you know, really detailed, bulleted lists on what's working. And, you know, it's just selfishly, that's how it started. And then those turned into tweets. And some other people saw that I was tweeting them and it was like, can I encapsulate this idea in 140 characters at the time? That was the limit. Uh, So then those turned into spreadsheets of, of tips. So now there's probably 900 tips. Um, but I wanted to find a way to kind of, it wasn't even just giving back. It was just containing ideas and being organized and having them in one central place. So I had a little shortcut on my desktop where I could just go straight to a Google sheet, get it down, um, and collecting these ideas kind of like little seeds that I would, that would build over time. Just like songwriters collect lyric titles and melodies and they sing in their voice memo. Um, I, I wanted to get these ideas down and I was kind of, you know, I, I love YouTube tutorials and I love in-depth ones, but I think there's a beauty to these sort of singular units of ideas that help you that are more actionable. So the whole point of doing the cards was, you know, have, have cards that are like physical things in your hand. You could, you can dog ear them, you can shuffle them. Uh, you can get away from your phone. That was a really key thing was, you know, maybe I'll do an app someday, but, but I really wanted to have it so that they were, uh, free of pop-ups and distractions. And I try to keep my phone in another room usually while I'm working in the studio. Um, I mean, the minute I turn off all notifications at all times, I don't know how people deal with like the pop-ups for every single moment of their, their social life. Um, like every single like on Instagram, people have as notification That's just, that would kill your creativity. So um, basically, this is a compilation of my favorite ideas. I had to whittle them down from these 900 tips into 54 of what I think are the best. Um, and it's funny because some people, some people don't get the concept. But they're like, "That's weird. Like, like, well, why would you give that stuff away? Or why, why did you take the time to do this?" And I just really started with doing it for myself, and then I felt like this would be something I would kill for if I was a new producer starting out. If I was that. 12-year-old producer. That's when I started to make music. I would have a kill for something like this. It would have saved me 15 years. But you really have to go through the journey yourself.
0: So let's say you're in the studio and you're in a creative rut. What is your process like? Do you shuffle the cards and randomly pull one out? Or do you have them like mapped out just as like different ways to, different methods, different things to spark inspiration. What's your process?
1: I like, I think one way to do it is shuffle the deck and maybe pick one out. It's just like, this is one card to focus on for the day.
0: Okay, let's do one now. You you just yeah. shuffle and like, okay. what's what's your inspiration? Right All right,
1: now? let's do it. I'll do, uh, let's pick a random one out of the middle. Okay, living templates. So it's funny because I've memorized all these. I almost don't have to use them like that because I do these. I put these into practice every day, almost all of these tips. So living templates, uh, there we go. So I use this every day because I don't start with a blank slate. Starting with a total blank template in, in Ableton or Live or um, Pro Tools or anything like that, you don't, you don't have to rebuild your instrument from scratch every time. You want to have a starting point. So I have groups of tracks. They're all color-coded. Uh, for you know vocals, drums, um, chords, guitars i have them all color coordinated, pre-named every time so I have a starting point so i can build that critical momentum. so and even this living templates was kind of what i did when i did the tips was um, I had a living document that kept evolving It wasn't like starting from scratch each time i wanted to compile ideas there was one central place that was easy to get to um, but the key thing with living templates is you don't want to box yourself in with templates so they're starting points. So I have some starting instruments that I always start with for all these categories. Um, and by having it set up that way, it's, I don't have to think about the plumbing and the left brain stuff. I can just get into the creative work instead of starting from scratch, uh, putting in, adding new tracks, adding more plugins. It's all like these jumping off points to quickly get, uh, get the ideas down, You know, chord progression, lead, drums, whatever it takes.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm going to pick one. One one of the things that I liked about this is I'm not a music producer, but how you do one thing is how you do everything. I could take some of these nuggets and it was creative inspiration for me. Okay. Here's the one I just found be prepared to be spontaneous yeah take care of the logical left brain focus tax ahead of time so you can focus on the creative right brain activity kind of similar yeah. um without interruption use templates color coding and automation via batch and macros make sure all equipment is tuned functioning properly routed and ready before beginning a creative session. I mean, but I, I even think that, think of that, like clearing the clutter from my life. Right. Or, you know, making sure that you have all the things you need. Right. Otherwise um, you're not going to be able to really focus on being creative. Um, you got a Marie think- Kondo,
1: your, your setup, your creative setup. You know, it's even, it's a, it's as simple as like the other day, I try to get rid of all the maybes in my life and clear out the dead wood, you know? So if there are batteries in the studio, there's always like a nine volt battery where I don't know if it's, if it's has enough juice or not, but that'll like destroy the creative flow. If I go to play the guitar and that can't power the preamp for my, you know, electric acoustic guitar, or I want to get rid of the maybe. So I, the other day I just, I bought a battery tester, tested all the batteries. I threw out a ton that were dead that were like, you know, just get rid of that, get that out of the way. You know, one, one thing I do a lot too, is I clear the periphery. So typically anything that's in view is taking up bandwidth in your brain. So it can be the smallest little thing that makes a little light or, you know, any way you can clear your, your workspace. So digital wise, hardware wise uh, any gear that's not working or gear that's not hooked up. Like, why is it there? So it's either sell it, store it, recycle it, goodwill it, um, there's, there's so much value to that. And then you just sort of feel like your brain feels more calm and focused even by just removing some of the clutter that's, that's in your immediate view.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, uh, One of the things, this is an audio podcast, but the design elements of your cards, they're absolutely gorgeous. How did you come up with that?
1: Yeah. So I found an illustrator that I loved, um, And he just, we went back and forth. We did so many different versions of them. Um, You know, we had this more skeuomorphic, more like realistic, but cartoony images before. And then we thought, well, we kind of went back and forth and we're like, you know what? We got to scrap everything. And this more geometric vector illustration approach was what I thought was best. Uh, So there's something, there's something mathematical about music, but I wanted it to be artistic and these were inspired a lot by Brian Eno's cards by the oblique Mm -hmm. strategies, but he had no images. There's no art, no color. And I think your brain really needs something visual to latch onto that makes it actionable. So it was a really big challenge. I mean, some of these ideas are really tough to put into an illustration. Like some are easy, but like rituals, like what superstitions and stale rituals can you remove from your process? Like, how do you, how do you illustrate a ritual So I think the key with these was for that to be simple and feel like efficient and actionable. And if the illustration too elaborate, it's hard to work, you know,
0: you know, um, it's funny because the ritual card really caught my attention because I was expecting you to have a card about creating rituals to get into a space. And you're, you actually said, no, throw them out the window, do the opposite
1: sometimes they can be, they can conflict. There's some, some cards overlap and some oppose each other, but like that it's also semantics, but like one of them was saying, yeah, get rid of um, old systems or get get rid of routines. I always think of routines as something you fall into and versus like a, a good system is something that's efficient and helps push you forward. But I used to have like weird superstitions in the studio where I'd, I wouldn't change the reverb preset or i would do everything at one bpm one tempo like and i would never change that um and those can really hold you back like weird ocd rituals in the studio so uh i think it's really important to break those and to break out of tunnel vision i mean i could do a whole book on uh breaking through tunnel vision i thought like that might be the next project we'll see but that's like i mean like it's just silly
0: even even on a small level, like when you're doing yoga and they say like, okay, cross the other leg (laughs) or, you know, just driving down a different street than you normally do. than you normally do it just, it does switch your brain into a different mode.
1: It does. And you know, something came up really interesting lately. I was, Odessa was doing uh, this chat and they were talking about flipping the canvas Hmm. and they were talking about how um, this was back when like NFTs were, kind of the hottest thing at the moment and the artists were saying that they regularly rotate their canvas to get a pre- fresh perspective uh, for for still artwork and for video work and graphics and i was thinking god like how do you do that for audio i don't even know how you can do it and there's there are ways to do it like filmmakers will convert their movies to black and white to, so mm-hmm. and and edit in black and white a lot of times which i think is really cool um, because it's hard to unsee an edit. And it's, it's very hard to unlisten to a musical piece after you've heard it 500 times. So uh, I'm always looking for ways to get that fresh perspective. Um, so it's either you could change, you know, your route where you're commuting, you know, every day that makes a big difference. A small change like that can break the tunnel vision. But if, if a piece of work is, it's hard to, to hear it fresh. And even after you've let it incubate for a while, um, there are some cool techniques. I know some people will like reverse their tracks. Um, you know, a lot of what I'll do to keep things fresh and, and keep it interesting is I'll just solo groups of different tracks of a song and I'll mute the vocals and just hear the instrumental or I'll, the, I'll mute uh, all the chords and just hear the drums, the bass and the vocal. That's a huge one uh, for, for staying fresh and sort of avoiding the tunnel vision or the demoitis of a track.
0: So now coming out of the pandemic and uh, creating a new normal, what's your take on the music business right now? What's exciting to you? What do you think is the most challenging? You mentioned NFTs, right? The, yeah. Talk about a roller coaster of yeah. that being on fire and then feeling kind of dead.
1: Every time I get FOMO, it's like right before another crash happens. And then like, I think it, I, to me, it's, the technology will stay, uh, it's just so volatile. I think it's really exciting. But uh, you know, I did, we did one NFT release and we were about to do another. And then, the, so the first time we did it, the market like crashed and lost 40% the first day. And then we were about to do another one. We, we just were like, all right, let's wait, uh, let's just wait. Um, I think it's a little s- scary when people liquidate like their stocks or their nest egg and put it into NFTs. Like that's probably not the best idea. But um, mm-hmm. it, in terms of the current state of the industry, I think it's exciting that we have this new canvas of vertical video, short vertical video is really exciting. Um, there's a lot you can do with that now. It's it's refreshing that you don't have to have like a 30 minute YouTube video for video content. And it's a whole new art form to play with. You know, everyone's a music supervisor, a director, an editor, a color grader, a focus puller, like all these Hollywood roles and entertainment industry roles have sort of converged into one, one role. So. You know, I had to wear a lot of hats in the pandemic. I did, I had to be, I had to figure out video and lenses and color grading and, and switching the view and doing visuals all at once. It was hilarious. Like it was very stressful at first. But, but I think now that's what's required of you is to take on more of these roles. And, you know, you can always outsource things, but in the end, you have to like still build the content yourself and do the reels and the TikToks. That really has to come from you as an artist. So it's exciting, it's exhausting, too. I think it's it's unfortunate that like you can't just release great music and have that be what it is. It has to be it has to be sticky. It has to be accompanied with some other art form that that has some friction and people find it and it brings people to it. So I think it's it's not enough to just make great music. There's great music is dime a dozen right now, which is good and bad, you know, like because the barrier to entry is so low. The gear is so good. The software is so good. Um, it's very easy to make amazing music and very easy to do covers right now too. You know, like all these 90s covers that are coming out um, that sound amazing and people think it's your song. You know, mm-hmm. I had somebody cover one of my songs and and now it's like a, a soccer anthem in Europe and they have no idea that I wrote the song with some other people. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it almost doesn't matter. But I mean, it's great to see that. But so I think the video side is really exciting. Um, I, I think what's really cool right now, though, is that with streaming, older catalog, I'm finding, you know, releases from a year or two ago will come back and start getting crazy streams because they get added to a playlist or the algorithm brings it up. So it's not like things are just lost downstream after they've become six months old or three months old. Uh, that's really encouraging that we see Uh, movement on, on tracks. They don't have to be the newest tracks. They don't have to be featured on mint or new music Friday. Uh, and they can kind of, they can have a few more chances to, to find their audience. So that's been really exciting. It's hard to control. You know, you can't like manipulate that. Like some people pay influencers to post about songs and sometimes that's a total waste of money. I've seen people do it. And sometimes that can really help boost a track, but I think this is the new world we're operating in now. And, uh, I find the video part really exciting though I think that there's that's like a whole other level of, of goosebumps like when you edit your music to uh, a song and have like the edits sync on the beat and you're playing music supervisor either with someone else's music or yours that's been really fun. Like I did a bunch of these remote sets during the pandemic. We'd, I'd bring like a, <clears throat> a couple people with me and we'd do drone shots. we'd have a couple cameras. We'd do it all live from like the Verdugo Mountains above in Burbank uh out in mormon rocks out on the way to vegas and it was so exciting to just do it live do it one take cut it together later and post it
0: oh that's awesome i know i a wise man told me once that the future of music is in less than 15 seconds of a song
1: yeah yeah it's a get to the hook i mean it's changing how people compose now right so now now the question i'm curious what you think like you know I just put out a new single on Friday and it's like, how do we how do we see this? How do we get it out to people um, in an organic way rather than like paying influencers? Like, what's the best way to get it out? Do you just service a chunk of the video? Do you give people just a hook, like a stem of the song, and have them do a duet or a remix? Like there's all these different approaches you can try. So I think we may do a contest like who creates the most creative reel or the reel that gets the most likes and attaches the song, you know, wins tickets to a show, something like that. We're gonna try some different techniques.
0: Yeah, I think it really all comes down to connection at the end of the day, right? People are so exhausted by content that it takes a little bit more for stuff to cut through. And all those different things you try are going to be driving momentum back to the song the same way the top 40 radio station used to play a song 100 times a week. You know, yeah. Bringing it up and top of mind is going to increase familiarity and familiarity is so important in music because I always say the first time you hear a record is so much different than the fifth time or the 50th time or the 500th. And so I think anything you can do just to keep creating that connection is really going to make a difference.
1: Yeah. And I think now it's so interesting where there's this double-edged sort of, uh, you know, when I put music copyrighted music in my, in my live stream, they'll you know, it gets taken down from Instagram or Facebook in 10 or 15 minutes. I just cut the feed, but the flip side of it, that's really exciting is that you can use someone else's trending track. And because it's trending, you can use someone else's music without their permission. And that can elevate you forward and get you reach and attention for your music. It's really crazy. Like, or just, just your online persona. So it's really bizarre times that that was, you know, all the labels were fighting it initially. Um, and I think there's a lot of, lot to be figured out with these takedowns that happen with streaming services, you know, Twitch and Facebook, but, but I love that at least they figured it out for reels and for for TikTok.
0: I'm curious as a music producer, um, this is, I, I just want to get your take on this. So um I love that you've created quick tips and this is going to be such a tool for people. And I'm a really huge advocate of trying to up the numbers of women producers in the business, right? Like, you know, if you look at the recording Academy uh, percentages that have come up from the Annenberg studies, it's just abysmal. I've always been curious, like, you know how big of a gap do you think it is if somebody were really going to hone their craft there's so many women's songwriters right to actually make that jump into producing and like you know i i'm talking about it thinking about how many women's songwriters there are that like You know could a quarter of them like you know build that muscle and start producing and get the numbers up but then i like to flip the question and think even somebody like pete wentz in the studio right is it that big of a leap to think that he could be a producer because it feels like he could be but i just don't know that creatively people are taking that leap very often
1: I, I think now it's just like the juggling of roles where I think it was refreshing to hear that like Ariana Grande will operate Pro Tools, get in there, comp her vocals. I didn't know that at all. Like, I think that should be reported more. Like, people should, people need to have that be more known publicly. I think that's step one that people in prominent roles, uh, because a lot of vocalists I work with, they don't know how to record their own vocals. And I'm like, that's, it's much easier now than it used to be and much more affordable. To get the the mic and the converter and i've almost had to assemble a kit i was going to send out to one uh lissy i was like come on we got to record your vocals like we don't want to she doesn't have a studio that she uses she lives out remotely in in um iowa somewhere so it's like i want her to get to a studio rather than paying for studio time i'd rather have her record the vocal it doesn't have to be perfect i'll polish it up later but i think i think everybody can always research more about their craft and and not be so afraid of the technical side i think we got to de- de-stigmatize the, the technical side of it and say like, and now it's it is much easier than it used to be. But I mean, I have two daughters. I bring them in the studio all the time and I'm like, I got to get them. Uh, I, I don't want, I don't want it to be so male dominated. It's insane. Like, I don't know what the easy solutions are, but I think just, I think there are a lot more female DJs now, which is great to see that make their own music and, and have a great ear and technical ability Um, but I think now, yeah, I don't know what the next step would be, but it's, there has to be, I think with maybe more with music schools too, bringing in more women and make it more appealing, but, but it's a tough job. Like, I don't know if I want my daughters DJing and touring and being in that environment. Like, we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's up to them.
0: I think, I think you're right though, that representation matters. I'm curious for you, because we were both talking about being newer parents, um, Did being a dad change your relationship with music in any way? Or as you're introducing music to your daughters, are you falling in love with music all over again? Yeah,
1: you know, I think it's very easy to get jaded with music and take it for granted. And then I think during the pandemic, it was like, wow, this means so much to people. And you don't, it's easy to just get like to be over it because you're around it all the time. And you know, I dabbled in other things like video and photography, um, and just really documenting my children as they grow up. But it's funny—I play my mix downs for my daughter every day in the car on the way to school. That's what we do—we we test out the new songs, and and it's really cool to see them react without any filter. And you can see they're not really—I think people start acting a little bit from an early age, but you, with music, they get a very there's a very pure response. And if they they either move to it or they don't, and if they get really quiet then I know that it's a good, it's a good song. Um, So I think it's, it's humbling to see its effect on people that immediately. Uh, And I don't know if it's just like something that has a strong beat makes like the, you know, one and a half year old is already knows what the beat is and and how to respond to it. So it's really cool. And it's, it's hard to explain to them. I have to show them on a map. I'm like this weekend, I'm in, I was in Boston and next weekend I'm going to be in El Paso and Houston and San Diego. And it's kind of fun to show them on a map. But I feel lucky that I have this resource down here. I mean, my daughters are sleeping upstairs, but there's this like state-of-the-art studio, and I can show them everything in here. And my daughter really wants to just like type on the notepad. I'm like, come on, let's make a song. Like, <laughs> forget typing. Let's let's make some music. So I, I love- don't I don't take that for granted that opportunity. Yeah,
0: it, it's funny because we spend so much time listening to music, and it's fun introducing them to things. But um, I'll catch myself uh where like my two-year-old can sing guns N' roses sweet child of mine but will be somewhere and there'll be a preschool teacher singing like humpty dumpty and i'll think oh they probably don't know that one (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah it's like can you is it okay to bypass that like i i like i like to do both like you know when i'm speaking to my daughters i always think like i want to i want to talk to them in, in child terms, but also throw some complicated words out there. Just like with songs, like give them some kids songs, give them some complex, you know, EDM bangers they can, they can listen to. And, you know, don't just limit it to, cause it's so tiring. It's like the same kid songs just being recycled over and over this canon of kid songs. But you know, it's weird. Yeah. One thing I have noticed is that there are some good kids instru- instruments, but a lot of them are out of tune. And I've, I've even checked the pitch on them and I'm like, how do you expect kids to develop musical skills if you're giving them like these garbage instruments that aren't even on the note? They're all like sharp or flat, or they don't make a very satisfying sound. So I think that's motivated me with the quick tips too, uh, where I've, I've given it to one of uh, B, one of her schools and said, you know, I'd love to help with the music program. I can get you hardware, I can get you software. Like I love working with these brands and I want to make music education better because it's, it still looks pretty bad. Like from what I've seen, it's, you have to rent a bassoon or like a a wind instrument or a tuba, like some expensive, hard to play instrument where it's hard to play even one note. You know, band class is still a thing. I think that still dominates. You just have to play the same traditional songs. Whereas in Sweden, you know, you get to pick your instrument out of a group. You can play guitar. You can, um, you know, the arts are way more supported and way more funded over in Europe. And that's why they have so many good songwriters from Sweden. It's like they, they get to choose instruments that they're excited about uh, and they don't have to like take out a loan to get either. <laughs> so there's big differences that's, and that's motivating me to get a little more involved, especially here in LA. On this side of LA too, it needs a lot more work in the music space.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I've never really thought about it like that. Um, so Morgan, as we wrap up, how can people hear your radio show? Where can they see you? What music is coming? How do they get your quick tips? All of it.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Instagram is probably the best at Morgan Page. You can buy uh, the card deck right through Instagram on my Shopify link. It's in the bio, the link in bio. Um, and you can go to morgan you can see all the shows I'm playing at. Grab tickets, uh, and you can subscribe. People people want like to see the tips. Uh, in Twitter, it's at mpquicktips on Twitter, and there's a daily. There's like seven tips every day. So every couple hours, it tweets a random tip. Um, what else? Yeah, mpquicktips.com. There's also deep dive blog posts where I take the quick tips and make them much longer and go into more detail. So there's probably fifty or sixty blog posts on there. But lots of shows coming up, new single, Body Like just came out, uh, lots more music to come, and we'll see where things go next. But, but super excited. People should definitely buy the physical deck. You can get the PDF, but um, at least domestically, you can you can buy this. It's affordable. It's in the Grammy Museum, too. They put it in the gift shop.
0: Oh, ah, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: It's cool to be in a, a real physical store. Um,
0: we're still great. trying to figure
1: out how to get it shipped internationally. It costs more than the card deck to ship it overseas. So I don't have a good solution for that yet, but but the card deck is out and it's fun to have something physical and it's just really cool to see the reaction from uh, from big producers and uh, people all over the world to it. So it's getting a great response and it sold out in the first week. So I did a bunch more reprinting. So it's back in stock and uh, so check it out on Instagram at Morgan Page and uh, I'll sign them personally for everybody who buys them.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I'm really impressed. I'm glad we reconnected. And it's so funny. I just remembered as you were talking, I think I first saw you post about it on LinkedIn, which, again, I mean, you know, talking about your musician brain and your business brain, I think you're the only musician I'm probably connected with on LinkedIn. Uh, You know, not just everybody's going there and using it as a social community. So uh, I love it.
1: LinkedIn's uh, hilarious. It's always like, congratulations on your promotion. You know, it's like very, yeah.
0: it's like little like
1: buttoned up business talk, like circling back. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's hop on a call.
0: Uh, well, um, I am so excited for everybody to check this out. And like I said, I'm glad we reconnected. And I'm really inspired uh, by the quick tips and everything you're doing. So yeah, uh, thank you. Thanks, Morgan. And thanks for listening to another episode of The Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot. Make sure you're all subscribed to our newsletter on the link in bio. Please stay in touch on all news and episodes. And I will talk to you soon.